Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. How we see prayer. It's really the answer to why we don't pray more. We see prayer as a got to and not a get to. Simply put, many of us see prayer as a chore because, again, let's be honest, prayer is hard work. You know why prayer is hard work? Prayer is hard work. I think about the Apostle Paul saying he labored as a woman in labor in prayer for the churches. He labored. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ephesians. How do you see prayer? In today's message from Pastor J.D., he teaches us that oftentimes we can view prayer as a chore. We see it as a got-to versus a get-to. To talk directly with the Lord through prayer is a privilege. Prayer is also a lot of hard work, but it is a labor that is fruitful for growing us deeper and stronger within the Lord. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ephesians chapter 6 with part 2 of his message, Prayer is the Answer. When we pray in the Spirit, we'll receive the power of the Spirit. Because greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. We need only to wield the weapon of prayer. I love the illustration that Pastor Chuck used. I've never forgotten it, and I know I've shared it before, but I think it would be apropos to share it again. You got two opponents in a fist fight, and then one of those opponents wields a knife. Now, what do you think the one who doesn't have the knife is going to do? He's going to do everything he can to get that knife out of his opponent's hand. Why? Because he knows that that knife is the deciding factor, and that knife is the knife of prayer. And that's why Satan will try to keep a Christian from praying. (laughs) Because he knows what awaits the Christian who does pray. It's important to understand what Paul is saying here when he says pray in the Spirit. What does that mean? How does that work? What what does that look like? Well, the answer is twofold. First, and please know that I don't want to jam anyone's theological gears, but To pray in the Spirit is to pray in one's prayer language. That's not the topic of today's teaching. I'm not going to take the time to go there, but I think I'd be grossly remiss were I not to state that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. They have not ceased. I have this gift. I pray in an unknown tongue. I have a prayer language that God gave me, and I can't even begin to tell you how life-changing it was when I received this, this prayer language. The second way to pray in the Spirit is to pray directed by the Spirit. And in the sense that the Holy Spirit enables me and empowers me to pray. See, again, I don't want to keep 
repeating this, but maybe I just, for the sake of repetition and retention, need to say it again. Satan knows that power awaits and victory awaits the praying Christian. And that's why all H-E double toothpicks breaks loose (laughs) when we start to pray or try to pray. Now, if I could just, and you'll forgive the the personal reference, actually, even on the way here today I was praying about how much I, the Lord would have me to share personally about what he's done in my life and my prayer life. But I know for me that in order to pray continually, I need to both pray in my prayer language in the Spirit and also empowered and enabled by the Spirit. That's how I am able to, even on the way here today, it takes me 22 minutes to get from my house to the church, driving the speed limit. So that is 20, again, depending on traffic, but that is priceless time because that's prayer time for me. And it's kind of interesting because at a stoplight, you know, people are looking at me and I'm, you know, talking to myself and (laughs) at least that's what they think. They have no idea who it is that I'm talking to. But that's how you pray continually. So I can be praying in my prayer language, even in our prayer meeting this morning. I'll be praying in my prayer language, but I'm also praying in the spirit this way in the sense that It's both. And this is what Paul says to the Corinthians in chapter 14, verses 14 and 15. He says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. And then he says something very interesting. And I've done this before and I've seen this before. and It is powerful. He says, I will sing with the spirit. Sometimes God will give you this this song in an unknown language, and I mean it, chicken skin would be an understatement. He says, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. In other words, I need both, and I do both continually. Let me parenthetically say that I don't want you to get the impression that your pastor is this great man of prayer. Okay, listen, I, God's brought me a long ways in my prayer life, but I would be disingenuous at best, dishonest at worst, if I left you with that impression. I mean, who among us, let's be honest, who among us could say, I pray enough? Are you kidding me? (laughs) You, You do? Man, how many times I've heard these great men of God, used mightily of God, come to the end of their lives, and when asked about this, they say this, the one thing I wish I would have done more, if I had to do it over again, I would have prayed more. I would have prayed more? Yeah. When Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church in his first letter, chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, he said, Rejoice always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstances. And he says, why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay, let's be honest, shall we? You're in church, you have to be, right? Wouldn't we have to admit that we don't always rejoice? 
Wouldn't we have to admit that we don't give thanks in all circumstances? And certainly, wouldn't we have to admit that we don't pray continually? If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the main reasons for this, my answer would be that it's how we see prayer. How we see prayer. It's really the answer to why we don't pray more. We see prayer as a got to and not a get to. Simply put, many of us see prayer as a chore because, again, let's be honest, prayer is hard work. You know why prayer is hard work? Prayer is hard work. I think about the Apostle Paul saying he labored as a woman in labor in prayer for the churches. He labored in prayer. It's hard labor. It's hard work. And the reason it's hard work is because in the natural, we're in a spiritual battle with the supernatural. That's why it's so hard. Can I say it this way? Of course I can. I just said I'm going to say it this way. (laughs) Praying isn't for wimps. There. (laughs) Praying isn't for the faint at heart. Praying is tough stuff. It's rough stuff. It's front line. You're in a war. It's a battleground, not a playground. Here's the thing. Yes, prayer is hard work. Yes, it's a battle. Yes, it's a war. But when we taste from the cup of victory in and through prayer, it changes how we view prayer. Let me say the same thing again in a different way. When we see God answer our prayers in a miraculous way as only He can, does that not change how we see and view prayer? Oh, prayer is powerful. Yeah. Well, God answers prayer. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) The answer is prayer. Yeah. This is what the Lord is doing in my prayer life personally. And again, I, on the way here, prayed that God would just give me the right words to say in the right way concerning the answered prayers in my life that I've tasted from that cup of victory. And I've tasted and seen that he is good. And what effect that has had on me is it makes me desire to pray more. Again, I'm not wanting to come off as this great man of prayer. I mean, I too would chime in and say, I I wish I would pray more. I want you to think about this because this is really important to our understanding. Never imagine that God ever forces us or demands us to pray. Could you imagine if prayer was like that? I mean, let's just say that prayer was a got to instead of a get to. So here's what that would look like. You'd get up in the morning and early in the morning will I rise up and seek thee? I better pray. Okay, God, I'm going to pray. I can almost imagine the Lord saying, you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Don't, no, no need. No need. I guess I better spend time with you. No, no, don't, don't, don't. 
don't bother. I mean, if you don't, if you don't want to, if it's not your desire to, then why would I want you to? Again, in my own personal prayer life, what God has done is he has brought me to the end of myself in the realm of the natural, so I'll turn to him in the supernatural. And he's done this and does this by orchestrating the circumstances, even choreographing the steps of my life such that I come to this place where I realize it is absolutely and utterly and totally impossible for me. There's no way. And when it's impossible for me, I turn to the only one for whom it is possible. When Jesus was asked about the impossibility of anyone being saved, his response in Matthew 19, 26 was, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. When Mary, there's no way we could ever imagine how absolutely flabbergasted and astonished and stunned Mary was when the angel of the Lord told her that she would give birth as a virgin to the Savior of the world. And so she's querying the angel of the Lord. I mean, how can this be? And I've never known a man. He tells her in Luke one thirty-seven, with God, I want you to listen to this word, nothing. You know what nothing means? No thing. Not even one thing. No thing will be impossible. It's almost like in our midweek study through the Psalms, it's almost like God is just, in a sanctified way, of course, just saying, hey, watch me now. I'm going to blow your mind. Oh, 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 you think it's impossible? Perfect. Watch this. You know, sometimes we talk about, you know, with God, all things are possible. We, you know, write songs about it. We memorize scriptures about it. But think about it. Doesn't it first have to be impossible for us so that God can do the impossible? In other words, if it's still possible for me, doesn't that mean it would be hands off for God? Because see, I'm not coming to God, throwing up my hands and saying, God, this is impossible. I can't do this. See, if it's still possible for us, we're going to try to do it. Oh, come on. You know how we are. We try to do it ourselves in the energy of our own flesh and our own strength. And God just waits patiently for us to come to the end of ourselves. He doesn't realize it yet. He thinks it's still possible. But at some point, he's going to realize it's impossible. Sorry, had a flashback. I'm back with you now. My favorite, and this is where it's personal for me, is in Genesis 18. We're told that Sarah... <laughs> Laughed. You can't blame her. After Abraham was told that she, at 90 years of age, well past childbearing age, would give birth to a biological son, the promised son. Then in Genesis 18, 14, Abraham is asked this rhetorical question of, is anything 
too hard for the Lord. Can I say it this way again? Watch me now. Here's Abraham, believed to be about a 100 years old, and Sarah, 90 years old, her womb long ago became barren. Come, what are you doing here? Oh, I had to bring you to that place where it would be impossible for you to do this so that I could do the impossible. Because if it's still possible for you, oh, you're probably going to have Hagar, your Egyptian handmaid, bear a child to try to help God out. Because that's possible. Ah, interesting. When it's still possible for us, we try in the energy of our flesh and we birth many an Ishmael in so doing. Isaac, the name is the nature. In fact, it's the same in Hebrew as it is in my native tongue of Arabic. Isaac, we pronounce it in English. It's Yitzhak in Hebrew. It's Yitzhak in Arabic. And the word Yitzhak or Yitzhak literally means laughter. This is laughable. This is impossible. But the name is the nature. I'm going to do the laughable. I'm going to do the impossible. But I can't do the impossible until it's impossible. I know that's a very profound way of saying something so simple, but right? It's not impossible until it's impossible. I want to close with a question, and I hope you know that it's a question I always ask myself, especially when I'm in a situation in my life that's perplexing, a trial in my life that's very difficult. Here's the question. Could it be that God has allowed that impossible situation in your life so you'll turn to him to do that which is impossible for you to do. Then, when you cry out to him, and he hearkens unto the voice of your cry, and does the impossible, that's it. Your only regret is that you didn't pray sooner. Because see, the situation's impossible. I pray, I cry out to God. God hearkens unto the voice of my cry. He grants me the grace that I need, which is always sufficient for exactly what I need. And sometimes, miraculously, he answers my prayer and it ruins me for him. I'm spoiled now. I've tasted and seen. You have, man, I can't ever go back and eat spam. <laughs> I probably should use a different one here in Hawaii uh, now that I've tasted prime rib. If you have a better illustration, would you share that with me after first service? I'm happy to use it. I'm going to take just two more minutes. I want to share with you something very powerful and personal in my own life. So my wife and I were basically like Abraham and Sarah. We were told that it was impossible to have children, and they encouraged us to try and adopt so we did try to adopt, and actually we're about to adopt, open adoption, a girl that was born to a 15-year-old birth mother that two weeks prior to us meeting her for the first time had just given her life to Christ. We were all set. It was 1990, boy, I better get my dates right because that's uh, part of this whole thing. 
It was 1997. In fact, she was born on June 1st, 1997, and the birth mother began to bond with the baby girl. We were there for the birth. We named her. We're ready to take her home. And the birth mother said, I just want to take her home uh, before I place her with you. Well, a couple weeks go by, we realize she's bonded with her baby. She wants to keep her baby. So we released her from the adoption. It was at that time that I, I cried out to God. And I'll never forget it. It was like it was yesterday. And I made a vow to God that if he would give me a biological son, that I would sell my business and I would serve him all the days of my life. Now, 1994, three years prior, August 14th, my dad died suddenly of a heart attack. Nine months later, on May 22nd of 1995, my mother dies in my arms. As my mother is dying, I'm crying out to God saying, God, if you take my mother, I no longer have parents, nor am I a parent. Give me a son. So after this adoption fell through and I'm crying out to God again, God gave me a very specific word in answer to my prayer. And it was Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 18. And he says, one year from the day, like he did with Abraham, I'm going to give you your Isaac. Yeah, but Lord, it's impossible. Did you just say impossible? Watch me now. That was June 1st, 1997. We conceived our biological son on August 14th, which was the exact day of my dad's death. And his due date was on May 22nd, the exact date of my mother's death, when I prayed and said, Lord, if you take my mother, I no longer have parents, nor am I a parent. Give me a son. And he was post-due. And instead of May 22nd being born, he was born a few days later on June 2nd, 1998, one year exactly to the day that God had told me he would do that. And then I sold my business and I started my first church in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, not long after And that's why I'm standing before you here today in this amazing church that is my privilege to pastor. Because God is the God of the impossible. Never, never, never allow the enemy to put in your mind that there's anything that God can't do. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Ephesians. If you'd like to learn more about the Apostle Paul's letter, we encourage you to continue reading ahead. As you do, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truths and promises contained in its verses to you. You can also hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D. on this book by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Listen online or download these teachings to have available anytime. We've created a mobile app for Apple and Android devices too, so you can take Pastor JD's teachings with you on the go. Download from your app store or find a link at inspiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, be sure to check out the Mideast Prophecy Update. 
Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. updates us on where the world is in conjunction with the prophecies of the Bible. He takes the time to comb through the news and tell us how world events line up with God's plan as stated in His Word. If you'd like to catch the latest edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update, visit our website and click on the YouTube link. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come be a part of our weekly services. Calvary Chapel Kaneohe meets each Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. We'd love to have you join us as we praise the Lord and learn from His Word. Find out more at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. That's all we have time for today. Pastor J.D. will have much more to share with us from Ephesians when you join us again right here on In Spirit and Truth Radio. Holy me true.